break from the book of Romans the next few weeks, guys, as we're leading up to Christmas. And we're gonna revisit an old sermon series that Brian and I did back in 2017 that we called Anthems of Advent. And the idea of this is that each week we're gonna look at a portion of a different Christmas carol. And we're gonna kind of zoom in on a verse or a line or a picture from that Christmas carol with the intention of trying to connect the dots for you between the line of the carol and the biblical text that it comes from. Because the truth is so many of the Christmas carols we know have rich, deep, beautiful biblical truth that some of us might not even realize. And so we wanna, with that in mind, kind of show you where some of these pictures from the carols come from um, reading through the beauty of the Bible. And tonight we're gonna read Malachi. Um, Just looking at one single verse from Malachi And I'm gonna go ahead and read it here at the beginning of our time. So if you would stand if you're able and let's look at Malachi chapter two together. It's up here on the screen, it's in the bulletin or if you have your own Bible, it's kind of hard to find, but it's the the last book before you hit the New Testament. So maybe that's helpful. Malachi 4.2 says this, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. We ask it and pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for standing. You guys can go ahead and be seated. So the song that we are looking at tonight that we are gonna connect to this particular verse is the one that we sang right at the outset of our service. Hark the herald angels sing. Any fans of that song in here? You like that one? I guess you can't say you dislike a Christmas carol. It's one of my favorites though. And as I was reading this week, I kind of learned a little bit about the story of how it was written. It's a story that has to do with church bells. There was a young fellow walking to church on his way uh, to Christmas Sunday service through the snow in London. His name is somebody that you might be familiar with, Charles Wesley, if any of you guys have heard that name. One of the famous Wesley brothers, he and his brother John are considered sort of the fathers of, of Methodism. Charles Wesley is walking to church through the snow and it's actually the first Christmas since his conversion. So it was the first Christmas where he's actually experiencing the holiday as a believer in Jesus and all the joy that that brings. And as he's walking to church, he hears church bells from all over the city ringing almost in unison. And he's struck in that moment. And he has almost like this vision, this picture of the scene in Luke two, where Jesus is, his birth is being announced to the shepherds and we're told that the heavenly host break into song, singing glory, glory, hallelujah. And Charles Wesley, presumably after church, he rushes home, he writes down these lyrics that are coming to mind for him to kind of capture that scene that the church bells had inspired in him. See, he was a a poet at heart. He's a lyricist. In fact, Charles Wesley is one of the most prolific hymn writers in all of the English language. I learned this week actually that he's the second most, wrote over 600 something hymns in the English language. And so his poetic soul has this verse that he wants 
to put to paper to create or capture the scene that he had as he heard the bells on Christmas Day. So we get the uh, Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. However, it wasn't named that at first. It actually had another name. It was called Hark the Welkin Sings, or actually I think it was Rings. Welkin, I, I learned, is an old English word for heavens. And so remember, as he's hearing the bells, he's imagining the heavens erupting into praise. And so his first title is, is Hark, the Welkin Rings. But believe it or not, uh, that song didn't really take off. It wasn't really popular at first. And then there was another problem with it. Uh, Wesley, he, he pens these amazing words, but he's convinced that this is a Christmas song, but it's gonna be really slow and ponderous and meditative, almost like a dirge. And so a mixture of hark the welkin rings plus a slow, sad dirge does not translate into a top 40 hit. And in fact, the carol probably would have died in obscurity if a couple of things hadn't happened next. One, Wesley's good friend, George Whitfield, kind of takes his hymn, his poem, his lyrics, and makes some tweaks to them. And in Whitfield's kind of imagining, it's hark, the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. These words that we know so well, almost automatically, it was George Whitfield, the great evangelist and man that was partly responsible for the great awakening in our country. He's the one that modifies the words to make them fit. And then years later, there would be a composer by the name of Felix Mendelssohn who, who writes a new tune, a, a little bit more peppy, a little snazzy, in fact, Kevin was telling me today that it, it, it includes a lot of major seventh chords with this really bright Christmassy sound. And that mixture of the tinkered lyrics plus this new poppy upbeat tune gives us what we know as Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. And it was sung in great popularity and love for many years afterwards. And then it ultimately arrived, the pinnacle of all, when Charlie Brown and his friends sang it on broadcast television in the 1960s. So that's the story of Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Now I've got a verse up here for you guys. I have it as verse two. We sang it at verse three tonight, kind of depends on who you go with as to the order of these. But I wanna really hone in on this verse because it shows us a lot of what Charles Wesley was all about in the hymns and the carols that he wrote. For instance, Wesley said that his main goal in writing songs was to educate. Did you know that? His understanding of the church, and it was an accurate one, was that the church in his time was full of people that were uneducated and who couldn't read. They were illiterate. So if they wanted theological education, if they wanted to learn more about who God was, even to be able to know what the Bible said, they had to have it given to them in a forum that was not them reading books. And so Wesley thought, if I wrote songs that were rich and deep in truth, Bible truth, it will anchor people's soul, even people who are illiterate in gospel beauty and true Bible doctrine. 
And we even see a little bit in, in some of these verses, like born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. There's the doctrine of the resurrection right there. And Wesley's hope was that even the illiterate uh, man working at just a blue collar job would be able to articulate the great doctrines of the Bible, just like a pastor who had had years of education because that man would have hummed this tune on his way to work and it would be deep in his heart. We see that, like I said, with the bottom, but really it's the top of this verse that we're gonna look at the most. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Where does that come from? The Son of Righteousness. It's gonna see if, I'm, if you were paying attention to our scripture reading tonight. It's the Malachi verse that we just read. Let me read it to you again. All right, here it is up on the screen. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. What Wesley has done is he has people that might never have gotten to read the Old Testament before singing this really unique picture of who the Messiah would be. And perhaps you didn't even realize that you were singing that when you sang this song. How many of you guys, you don't have to show your hands or whatnot, but just think of it to yourself. How many of you folks, as you're singing this Christmas carol, knew that you were singing the prophecy of Malachi? I'll say for me, I didn't know that for a long, long time. In fact, I remember a Christmas Eve service when I was in college, I was at my parents' church, this really sort of like, uh, very formal church, organ music's playing. We're singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing out of the hymnal. And I remember seeing Son of Righteousness and I thought it was a typo because I was like, this isn't right. This should be Son, S-O-N, right? The heaven-born Prince of Peace, light and life to all he brings. We're talking about the Christmas child, the Son of God coming in the world. This should be Son, S-O-N, of righteousness. And I was so proud, like, ha, I found a typo in the hymnal. I was wrong. And I had no room to be proud because this isn't a typo. This is exactly what Wesley was going for. He wanted to take us back to Malachi 4.2 and this image of the Messiah being like the sun who brings the light of the world into dark places. And the image that Malachi is going for is of like a gloomy, dreary, dark day and all of a sudden the rays of the sun start blasting through a little bit here, a little bit there. But before you know it, the sun has dominated and the clouds have parted. And the clouds, the darkness, the gloom for him are injustice and oppression and brokenness and fear and sin. And yet when Jesus, the light of the world, the son of righteousness rises, all of those clouds slowly but surely begin to dissipate in the rays of his son. And in fact, for any who stand in those rays of his light, there is healing. 
That's what this, this uh, risen with healing in his wings mean. We haven't changed metaphors here and we're talking about a bird now, no. In fact, I was learning this week that in, in Hebrew kind of imagery, the, the wings of the sun were considered to be the beams, the rays of light. And so the healing in his wings are those standing in the light of his son and experiencing all that Christ, the light of the world has to bring. We said it just a second ago, we were talking about it with the candle lighting and even I was talking about with the kids that the people of Israel had to wait a long, long, long time for the Messiah to come. Maybe another way of putting that in connection with this Malachi 4.2 is that it was a dreary overcast day for a very long time. Cloudy, dark, gloomy. But when Jesus comes onto the scene at Christmas, the sun begins to rise and the beams and rays of his light began breaking through the clouds and all of that dissipates and the light of the world is here. And as Jake and Megan read for us at the conclusion of the candle lighting, John 1 tells us the light has come and the darkness cannot overcome it. I'll read our verse for us one more time and then we'll pray. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Now, it was only a short meditation on this word tonight, but I pray that this image that you gave Malachi, the son of righteousness, with healing in his wings that would stick in our hearts, would remind us of all that Jesus brings as light of the world. It's in his name we pray, amen. Remember, we're